0: We'll turn to First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. We're going to start a uh, another short series of probably maybe I, I, at this point probably three or four weeks is what I have planned. Um, you know, usually when I say that, it's probably going to be five or six. But uh, we're going to we're going to deal with um, the the topic of creation and evolution in the day that we live. But we're going to approach it from a little bit of a different perspective. Um, And that is we're going to try to connect the dots of all the things that are affected by a misunderstood belief of Scripture or a rejection of Scripture in the area of this issue of creation and how vitally important it is in the day that we live because of how many things it affects day by day in our lives and in our society. Uh, some people say, well, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I'll find out when I get to heaven. It makes a great deal. And uh, what we're going to try to do over the next several weeks is to bring into light some things. And this isn't going to be, we're going to have a week or two perhaps where we are going to bring some, uh, some evidences uh, of where evolution cannot be right or cannot be true. We'll have a little bit of that mixed in and some science uh, as well that, that will help refute some of that. Uh, that you can have uh, when you talk to somebody uh, about evolution. But the, the, the greatest and the most effective defense of creation and, and to refute evolution is not how much we can scientifically disprove it. It is what we can show from Scripture. It is the, is the powerful thing that God has given us in our hands to use uh, to combat these things. Let's look at First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And this is kind of going to be our foundational theme, Uh, and what we're going to try to accomplish uh, over the next few weeks. He says writes this, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Uh, Paul also has instructed Timothy, and we've quoted the verse so many times, Uh, that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the fact that we need to have a working knowledge of this book in all aspects of life, Um, we we as Bible believers, okay, I am a Baptist by conviction, uh, as far as holding to the tenets of the Baptist faith and the fundamental uh, things they've held to over the years, but I would rather use the term Bible believer because even Baptists can be wrong on some things uh, sometimes. And I am a Baptist. I have no problem using that word. But above that, I am a Bible believer. I believe what the Bible says. And if there's ever a contradiction between the the distinctives and the held-to doctrine of the Baptist faith in the Bible, I'm always going to choose the Bible over it. Because at the end of the day, it is our soul and our only authority of faith and practice. It's not the the creeds and the the agreements that our our group of people that hold to the things that we hold to um, establish as a a set core of beliefs. It is the Bible. That's our authority. So it's very, very important uh, as we begin this thing to know that we're going to do all that we can to make this foundation on Scripture. Um, I I want to start by saying this, that... uh, One of the reasons I feel this is so necessary is a lot of the issues that we're having, even in our churches, a lot of this seeker-friendly, health, wealth, and prosperity preaching, um, word of faith movement, new apostolic reformation groups that are out there, these churches that are actually dabbling now in the occult and the things of the occult, all of that ties back to this issue, either directly or indirectly. We're going to try to show that from Scripture how it has affected, even into our churches, um, the fact that people are are not being will, or they're not willing to just take the Bible at what it says. they they're distrusting the Bible. So I want to start by saying this: that God created everything that was about probably 6,000 years ago, as best we can tell, uh, if you take the genealogies that were given in the Old Testament, and the reason they gave them was for the purpose of telling the the time span of events. And you'll find that from the time of Adam till the time of the flood uh, was probably about uh, 1,200 to 1,400 years, somewhere in that range. Um, In fact, it was interesting, I'm sorry, not quite that long, a little bit less than that, but you'll find that... uh, Noah's father uh, could have gone and talked with Adam, believe it or not. Uh, Adam lived long enough that for about 50 years or so, 53 years I think it is, or 56 years, uh, Noah's father was alive, Lamech, and could have gone and talked uh, to to Adam himself. Could you imagine that? Uh, Being able to go and talk to the very first man. And, um, And so if you take the genealogies, you'll find that there was... Uh, About 1,200, maybe 1,400 years, somewhere in that range, uh, till the flood, and then from there till Calvary, uh, overall from the beginning of creation till Calvary was about 4,000, a little over 4,000 years. Of course, now we're living in 2023, so you can do the math and add the 4,004, 4,006 years, some of that, uh, somewhere in there for the Old Testament, and then the uh, 2023 that we have now. Uh, and find that we're a little over 6,000 years since the creation of the earth. Now, some people try to, uh, some, some religious people try to uh, get the Bible and evolution to not have conflicts with each other. But they are diametrically opposed to each other. Because evolution, it, it, the whole intent of evolution is to deny God's word and to reject God's word. That was the whole purpose of it. We're going to show some of that. And then show some of the consequences and the results of that uh, in these next few weeks. Uh, but these, there's a religious group of people that come together and they say, okay, we're going to take verses and they take them out of context. And you'll have some things called theistic evolutionists. These are people who say, okay, God did create things originally, but He created them and then either they catastrophically were destroyed and they had to evolve back or He created them in a very simplistic form and over the eons and time periods that science says that they have evolved. That is not scriptural. Uh, And one of the reasons we know that is Romans chapter 5 and uh, verse number 12 says, Wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world. And by the way, uh, in Matthew it tells us that when In the beginning, God created male and female. So he's speaking here that Adam and Eve were the beginning. They weren't eons and millions of years after creation. So Adam and Eve being at the beginning of all of this, in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Death did not exist prior to sin. And had there been eons and millions of years, billions of years now, they say, prior to that, the earth would have been overrun with life because nothing would have died in those billions of years. Death didn't come till Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And so these people that even try to get the Bible to line up with Scripture, they'll use things like, well, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years with the Lord, and that each of those six days were, um, were, were periods of time, not necessarily a 24-hour day. And they'll try to do this as the gap theory comes into place. Uh, by the way, be careful. Uh, there are some good study Bibles out there. And I'm just going to take a pause here for a minute to time out in the message. There are some good study Bibles out there. I use a study Bible to do a lot of my notes and, and learn from. But you need to know something. The notes in any study Bible are not inspired. And there are... Uh, Schofield actually was one of the fellows who... Uh, believed in and propagated the gap theory uh, and uh, so you got to be careful because some of these guys even though they have some really good material sometimes in these study Bibles they are men and just like any pastor they can be fallible they can have things that are wrong and you have to always compare them with Scripture so so I'm going to be dealing with this and I just wanted to kind of lay a little bit of a foundation here in some of these things there basically are two, uh, two world views you either believe What the Bible says, and you have a worldview of creation and what God said in in Scripture, or you deny that worldview. Every other religion or group that holds to evolution is in denial of the truth of God's word, or at least uh, reject the entire uh, uh, the, the entirety of Scripture being true and the infallibility of it. Now, evolution. There's four main questions that man has to answer, oftentimes, and the Bible answers them very clearly. And uh, the first one is, Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And what happens when I die? And uh, if you are an evolutionist, it's very difficult to answer these four questions. And you'll understand as we go through these, how we get to some of the problems that are happening in our society today because of the influx of the teaching of the issue of evolution. Um, For the first question, Who am I? According to evolution, you're really not anything important. In fact, you're just kind of a glob of protoplasm that just exploded and happened. Um, You're a set of complex chemicals, a byproduct of evolution. And in fact, if anything, you're a problem to the earth because you're the polluter of it. And uh, you can see where that heads, uh, down the, the whole global warming issues. All of that ties into this indoctrination that's taken place in the minds of many of our people. Uh, to doubt what the Bible says. Uh, so you'll start going down that road. Well, what about uh, global warming? What about um, uh, the destruction of the earth? And uh, we're, we're polluting so much of the oceans, and we're polluting all of this, and we're polluting all of that. Let me help you with something here. Let's take our Bibles, and let's see what the Bible has to say, okay? <laughs> and this will help us to have some basis of authority on some of this. But I want to give you some some reason to have some peace I believe that we ought to be good stewards of whatever God has entrusted to us. I think we ought to be good stewards of the earth. You don't go out of your way to try to be a person that just goes out here and destroys nature for the sake of destroying it. But on the other side of the coin, God gave us nature to rule over and to use to survive and to be the master over it, to be able to invent things and have things. And the Lord uh, certainly made that very clear in the Garden of Eden, that, Eden, that God had given all of this uh, for Adam, to him, for him to be able to use and to, uh, to be a part of. But let's look in Hebrews chapter 1 for a moment. I'm going to show you, we're going to look at probably seven or eight uh, passages of Scripture here right in a row. So uh, keep your Bibles handy. And I want to uh, lay some of your anxieties to rest if, you ever, if you've had any, and if not... Maybe you have some friends that are Christians that are into this whole worried, biting their nails. What are we going to do? The world's global warming, and, and the world's going to fall apart, and it's going to destroy. Um, let's look in uh, Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, verse number 1, the Bible says, "...God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days..." spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So Jesus Christ is one of the, the instruments in the creations of the, the creation of the world. Verse three, who, speaking of Christ, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, By the word of His power. Now that's a phrase if you're in the habit of underlining, you ought to underline in your Bible. It tells us here that the Lord Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of His power. How did He create everything that was? He created it by speaking it into existence. Everything except man, which He formed out of the dust of the ground. He spoke it into existence. And not only did He speak it into existence... But the Bible tells us here in verse number 3 that He upholds it with the word of His mouth. The power of the word of His mouth. When He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand, the Majesty on high. Look with me now in Job, all the way back in the Old Testament. Job chapter number 38. Job chapter 38. And I want to just give you assurance of this, that the world will not end until God ends it. The world will not end until God ends it. And we can show that from Scripture. Look with me in Job chapter 38. Let's look in verse number 33. He says, Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go, and say unto them, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom, and who can stay the the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into the hardness, and the clouds cleave fast together. And what he's doing is he's asking Job. Job had asked him a question uh, about why all this was happening, and God answers him with a whole slew of questions. And basically what he was saying is, he was asking Job questions that he already knew the answer to, by the way. He said, Job, can you do these things? And the implication of it is, you can't, but I can. I can control the clouds. I can control the lightnings. I can control the weather. And he continues to hold the earth in balance in his own hands. Uh, By the word of his mouth, the Bible says. Now let's look in Psalm 135. Psalm 135. And let's look down in verse number 6. Psalm 135 and verse number 6, "...Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth, in the seas, in all deep places, He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth, He maketh lightnings for the rain, He bringeth the wind out of His treasuries." God is in full control of that which He created. In full control of it. Matthew chapter ten. Matthew chapter number ten. And let's look in verse number twenty nine. Matthew chapter ten, and verse number twenty nine. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the gro- fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He gave this in response to the fact that his disciples were fretting and worrying about uh, about how they were going to uh, sustain themselves, how they were going to care for themselves, and the importance that God placed and the value that God placed on them. Now, uh, if you believe in evolution and you ask that question, well, who am I? You're just a group of complex chemicals. But to God, you're somebody. You're important. A sparrow can't even fall to the ground without him taking notice. So the question comes up, Why would people reject the message of God loving them so much and caring for them so much to embrace the theory of evolution? We're going to look at the reason why here in just a few moments. I want you to keep that question in mind. Why would someone who can be told from Scripture how much God cares for them, how much God loves them, how much value He places in them, why would they willingly reject that? And decide that they are going to follow evolution. And I think the answer may shock you a little bit as we come to Scripture and see it. Look with me, Matthew chapter ten. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter one. Excuse me, Colossians chapter number one. And uh, we're going to look in verse number seventeen, Colossians chapter number one, and verse number seventeen. Paul writes this, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is before all things, and by Him... And I want you to notice this phrase. All things consist. Now, I I looked up in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary the word consist. I want to know exactly what does that mean. By Him all things consist. So I looked it up, and it says this in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And it even gives this verse as a reference to the definition. Meaning that this is the context of that particular part of the definition. And it means this, to stand together, to be in a fixed state, to be maintained, or to be supported. By Him, all things consist. God holds everything in creation in balance. It will not end until He says it's time. I could give you several more I'm just going to give you the references you can look them up later for sake of time but let's uh psalm thirty six and verse number six again you can write these down if you'd want to get them or you can listen to the uh, the video when we're done later and you can write them down later psalm thirty six six Genesis chapter eight and verse twenty two let's just take a look at that one. i do want to look at that one Genesis chapter eight and verse number twenty two because this one is so clearly stated, so easily seen. Genesis chapter number 8. Now this is uh, dealing with the issue of of Noah. And uh, after the the flood had receded and all of that uh, had happened, and God makes His promise that He will never again destroy the world with a flood of water. Now notice what He says here in verse number 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. The seasons are still going to be here. The days are still going to be here. The harvests are still going to be here. He's made this commitment. Until the time that he says the earth is to be no more, these things will not cease. And again, we have a biblical authority to stand on on these issues. Now... If, if there's no value, and this is, I want you to understand this, that from the very first time a, a young person sets foot in our public school system, they are taught evolution. Uh, you can come to first grade curriculum and you will find a book that they will use that will begin something along this line billions of years ago. And they don't teach how all this came to pass. They just begin with the assumption. Now, you tell a first grader pretty much anything, what is he going to do? He's going to believe it, isn't he? In fact, it's going to become so ingrained to him. Years years ago, this years ago, now my mom would say I did this up until I was in my like teens and twenties, but that is not true. It was years ago, years ago. I used to love to sing uh, the song Silent Night. And I was a little kid, I was in my... Uh, kitchen one night. My mom was fixing supper and she had a can of peas on the table. I looked at those and I said, Mom, are those heavenly peas? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you know the song, Sleep in heavenly peas. And for years I thought that song was talking about those little green things. I thought, who in the world would put a baby in a bowl full of peas? But I was young. And I mean, I was convinced of that. And you start teaching a young person. And by the way, there were several things that happened here. In the late 1950s, if you'll take a moment to think about this, I'm going to give you a real quick history lesson because it's critical as to how all this came about. In the late 1950s, if you'll remember, the Cold War was in its... I mean, it was going full blast. Um, Russia was ahead of us in the space race. And the comment was entertained among educators, among the scientists in our country, that the Soviets were ahead of us uh, in education, and this was the thought, because they teach evolution. At that point, our average textbook in our public schools had between two to 3,000 words. Now, folks, that's just a couple of pages in a textbook regarding evolution. The rest of it was actual science. When that happened, uh, President Eisenhower went to Congress and said, we've got to gain a foothold on this, and he asked Congress for $1 billion, which in that day was like a lot of billions now. He asked them for $1 billion to increase the teaching of evolution in our public school system, and he got it. Over the next several years they rewrote all of the textbooks that went into our public schools. Now this was back in the, the mid-sixties by this time, and the average textbook went from having two to three thousand words to having over thirty thousand words, ten times more, tenfold more in evolution. In nineteen sixty three this was the case. Also in nineteen sixty three, what else what other big event happened in our public schools? Big event. Prayer was taken out of the public schools. You know why? Because Madeline Murray O'Hare said that theology was a detriment to education. And in keeping this in mind, now, the folks in that time period are thinking, here's an here's a atheistic country, a communistic country, that has denied God. They've already taken God out of the schools, and they are ahead of us in science. And that was their thinking. And they thought that because people were believing what the Bible said, that it was getting in the way of true science. And so they took prayer out of public schools because of it. Immediately, there began to be some consequences of that. Within the next 20 years, in the ages, and I'm going to, uh, this was mind-boggling to me, but in the age group of 10 to 14-year-olds, so we're not talking about adults here, in the age group of 10 to 14-year-olds, in the next 20 years, premarital sex went through the roof. I'm not talking about adults here. Uh, STDs in ages 10 to 14 skyrocketed. Unwed birth rates increased 550%, not in adults, in the ages of 10 to 14. By the time 1995 came around, which is about 30 years later, one third of every child, every kid that was born, was born to a set of unwed parents, people that were shacking up together and living together. Fatherless homes increased, and they accounted for 53% more of teen mothers, 63% more of youth suicides, 71% more of high school dropouts, 85% more of young people in prison. And over and over and over, we could find these statistics happening after uh, God was taken out of the public schools and evolution was taught. Why? Because it was undermining God's Word. It was causing young people to lose their faith in what the Bible said. And you get a young person to doubt even one thing. By the way, I'm going to rephrase this. You get a person, it doesn't have to be a young person, to doubt even one thing in this book, and you've successfully caused them to doubt every bit of it. Because if one thing is wrong in their mind, how can they trust anything else that's in there? And so they undermine the Bible. Why would they do such a thing? 90% of homeless and runaways in ages 10 to 14, 90% increase in the next 20 years. This one was, was incredible to me. 725% increase of living together and not getting married. Why? Because there was no longer an authority of Scripture that said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. There there was no longer God's Word that talks about uh, the whoremongers and the adulterers. God will judge. No longer was it being preached and even taught in our pulpits many times. Because even in our churches, they were trying to explain how that evolution can coexist with the truth of God's Word. Folks, they can't. It cannot do it. God's moral law... Was to be questioned and not trusted anymore. This was the mindset of the day. Child abuse went up twenty three hundred percent in the next thirty years. Illegal drug use went up six thousand percent in the next thirty years. Violent crimes went up twenty six hundred percent in the in nineteen sixty nineteen sixty three, there was three hundred sixteen thousand. 970 violent crimes. Now that's a lot. 316,970 violent crimes. In 2019, just four years ago, so the latest statistic I could get, they had 8,171,087 violent crimes. Now here's what will take place. You'll get into a discussion with somebody that holds to evolution, and they're going to believe it as if it is a fact. It used to be called the theory of evolution. They took the theory of out of books now, and they just call it evolution. They teach it as a fact of scripture of science, not a scripture of science. And here's what'll happen: you'll start talking to somebody about evolution and creation, and they'll ask you, "Well, you believe that God created everything?" And you'll say yes, and they'll say. Where did God come from? And we have to say, we don't know. He's always been. He always will be. He's eternal. But we don't know where God came from. We have to have faith in what the Bible says. That's what we have to say. And so they'll say, aha, I got you there. Because we believe science. Here's what you need to do. You need to say, okay, where did the matter come from? that created everything that we have. Big Bang Theory, maybe. Maybe some other. There's a couple other theories floating out there of how it all started. But the first law of thermodynamics, which is a law of science, it's a proven law, is that matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. So where did the matter come from? And they'll say, we don't know. And there's your chance to say, then yours is a faith as well. In fact, you could go so far as to say, Evolution is your religion. The difference is they have a little magical ingredient that causes all of this to be possible. And that is time. Huge, vast amounts of time. And because of this, they'll say that evolution is a fact. Now, why would they do this? because from the very beginning i believe satan had this in his plan look with me in genesis chapter 3 for a moment genesis chapter number 3 we're going to read a few verses here real quick <clears throat> if I, if we admit if if people if, if folks admit that God created everything, there's a couple of things that come along with that. Number one, if He created it, then He owns it. It belongs to Him. And secondly, if it belongs to Him, then He has every right to set the rules. He has every right to say, here's the laws that I want to be followed by the creation that I have made. And the problem is, men do not want to submit to the laws of God. Why? Because of Satan's deceit. Look at me in Genesis chapter 3. And this, folks, this isn't anything new. This isn't something that just happened in the 1800s when Charles Darwin wrote his book, Origin of the Species. This is something that happened 6,000 years ago. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. Let's look in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman... Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, he's doing this with the intent not to find out what God said. He's doing this to cause her to doubt what God has said. Did God really say this to you? This is what he's saying when he says, yea, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree? of the garden the woman said unto him the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die so we have them setting doubt on God's word getting her to distrust it and then she he bold face comes out and tells her that God was lying to her he is not to be trusted by the way, when they teach evolution in our public schools, they're getting them to doubt the Scriptures. They're destroying the faith of our children. Now, by the way, I think Jesus said something about offending a little one, didn't He? I think there's going to be some people that are going to stand and give an account to God. I know people, and I know this sounds bad, and I'm i going to say it, and I'm going to apologize if it, if it seems that I'm trying to offend. I'm not, but it's got to be said. I know godly people who, who believe this book. I believe they're honestly saved, who are public school teachers. I think in a lot of ways they're doing a good work and trying to help. But when they stand in their classrooms, and because it's the textbook and they have to teach it, they teach evolution. Folks, that is not right. It is not right. They are destroying the faith of young people. They are causing them to doubt this book from the earliest of ages. And so notice what else. The two things that he's done so far are bad enough, but I want you to notice the third thing, and this is what ties what's going on in our world today. Look what else he says. For God doth know that in the day ye thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as... Gods, Folks, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but in the last year when I've been teaching on the Word of Faith movement and some of these other things that we've dealt with, our world is bent on deifying man and humanizing God. In fact, so much so that the original one who wanted to be God has instilled and enticed humans to say, we want to be God too. Not like God, we want to be God. I think every Christian ought to want to be like God and to try to follow Him and to try to pattern their life after Him. But that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about being gods themselves. And, and we've had quotes from some of these folks like Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Bill Johnson and Jesse DePlantis and uh, uh, Joyce Meyer uh, Beth Moore, some of these folks that are out here on television uh, that are getting up and saying, you are little gods. The Mormons, they teach this, that, that, that you can become God. You can become a God of your own world. And the reason they do this is they want men to realize that the only moral authority in their life is what they deem to be right and what they deem to be wrong. That every man is his own moral authority. That every man does that which is right in his own eyes. So no wonder that the leaders of the world uh, oftentimes try to gravitate to the idea of communism, which goes hand in hand with evolution, denying God, getting God out of the church. Uh, Hitler used this when he rose to power. The, the, The tenets of communism and the Nazi movement all had uh, 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 ideals of the fact that that God did not exist, atheistic tendencies, the fact that that the Bible was to be uh, undermined and the truth of His Word was to be undermined. And so the idea, the promoters of evolution uh, are, are going to cause the faith of young people, the faith of any people, to be shaken and destroyed. Faith in this book, faith in God and what He said. Yea, hath God said. And then if you say, Well, yes, I think He did say this, and we're wishy-washy on the Bible, and we don't know our Bible, then they'll come back and they'll say, Ye shall not surely. God surely didn't mean that. I was listening to a a conversation by two pastors this year. One of them, a so-called pastor. Two pastors this, this week. One of them is... Living a homosexual lifestyle and includes that in his church, and he considers himself a pastor of a church. And this other pastor asked him about uh, passages of Scripture, certain passages of Scripture, and one of them he took him to was in the book of Luke, and he said, and the question he asked him, he said, so was Luke wrong? Was he in error? Was he lying when he quoted Jesus Christ, quoted Jesus Christ as saying, and he quoted the passage? And this pastor who's, this so-called pastor who's living in this lifestyle, said, yes, I think Luke was mistaken in that. And he said, well, aren't you afraid of going to hell? He said, I don't believe in hell anymore. He said, what about heaven? He said, I believe heaven-ish was his words. Folks, this is a pastor standing in the pulpit of a church and leading people. Why? Because he was taught as a young man To reject and to question and to deny what the Bible says. He believes it has problems with it. That it has errors with it. Where did this come from? Indoctrination. Somewhere along the line, someone shook his faith. So, the moral law of God doesn't apply anymore. Blending of genders is no big deal in society anymore that's been raised on evolution. Why? Because God's moral law doesn't apply. That's just, that's just a bunch of fairy tales. Those are, the Bible isn't true. It's not right. And even if God said it, and you can see it in Scripture, I just don't believe that that's what He said. That's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. And then he said, you could be as God. You can determine what's right and what's wrong. And folks, this is what is happening. Now, these teachers that are teaching this stuff to our young people, they don't come out and say... We're trying to teach you that you can be your own God and you can choose what's right and wrong until later in life. They're just teaching them that this book is not the law. That this isn't the authority. And they're undermining the faith of young people. And it's leading to, it's leading to devaluation of life. Suicides have never been more rampant than they are today. Violent crime, never been more rampant than they are today. Murders, never been more rampant than they are today. People that will kill somebody. Pull a gun out or a knife out and kill somebody over something so simple as arguing over what toppings to put on a pizza. Why? Because they have no value in life. That life there, it's just a bunch of complex molecules. There's no value to it. There's no eternal soul of that person. A generation, now several generations have been raised this way. There's no value of respect. No one respects another person in the generation that we live, or very rarely does, because there's no value to life. Mass shootings, no value to life. In fact, the first big one that I remember, Columbine High School, when they looked into those two young men, they were advocates of evolution and were followers of some of the writings of Hitler. Racism. Why? Because... The the, the the healthiest survive. The, the best, the best uh, animals, what was it, Charles, uh, origin of the species. And, and the survival of the fittest comes into play. Well, if we're all just animals, evolved from animals, then some are better than others, and that's where racism comes in. You say, oh, Pastor, you're stretching a little bit. No, this is where it's stemming from. This is where it's stemming from. We must not compromise the Bible and try to water it down by bringing in the error of the world in trying to make it match and make it fit up. We've got to take a stand on it. We've got to say the Bible is right in every account, including the account of creation. It leads itself to murders, it leads itself to abortion. There's no value to life, just a bunch of tissue. Aborted. We don't care. We devalue life. We cause men to look at themselves and say, I am the moral decider for my life. I was listening to a fellow the other day that was, and I didn't even get halfway through my notes, but we'll get there eventually. I was listening to a fellow the other day, and I'll close with this. Uh, He happened to be sitting on an airplane next to uh, a fellow that was a professor at a college taught, taught in the math and science department. And they struck up a conversation. They began talking about, um, about evolution and, uh, and, and creation. The man was appalled that anyone would believe what the biblical account of creation was. He says, well, oh, we've got all kinds of science. And uh, they got talking about um, uh, where, where things came from. And one of the things that was asked in the conversation was, if there is no God, how do you determine what is right and what is wrong? And the professor thought for a moment and he said, well, I'm, I'm the one that determines that. I determine what's right and, and what's wrong. And the fellow that was talking to him that the, the, believed the Bible, he, he said, so you're saying each person in themselves can determine morally what's right and wrong? The guy said, yeah, that's right. Well, folks, the Bible talks about that. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And it says that in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And it says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What we're dealing with today is nothing new. It's just a continuation of what Satan has always done from the beginning of time to undermine this book and to shake the faith of people. And so the fellow sitting there that believed the Bible, he said, so if I told you that in five minutes I'm going to pull a gun out and shoot you, uh, would that be okay? And the guy said, well, of course not. He said, but wait a minute. If I determine what's right and wrong, and I think that's right, who are you to judge me on my morals? And the fellow sat there kind of stunned and speechless for a little bit. He said, well, I'm going to have to rethink some of this. Now, folks, at some point, we cannot sit idly by and be silent about what is going on in our society. I, I'm, I may, I, I've got a, I've been really contemplating something. I may announce something here in a few weeks that we can do on maybe a Friday night. Uh, some things I'd like to, to have displayed on video for you, some research that's been done. I don't really think I want to do it in a church setting but would be critical for us to understand some of this where it's going what what is what is the what what are the ramifications of staying silent on this stuff folks somewhere along the line I'm thankful covid kind of woke a few parents up at least in our school system but folks that's a drop in the bucket of what needs to be done There need to be some Christians that stand up again and say, the Bible is true. And if the Bible says it and it contradicts what your theory of science is, then we're going to have to come back and trust the Bible. Now, we'll give you some science in the next few weeks, Lord willing, in the next couple lessons that we're going to do on this topic. But I wanted to give you kind of a high-level overview of this. Because... It is affecting, and, and, and this is what I think a lot of Christians don't understand. They, they don't, they think, well, yeah, they're believing that, but it's not a big deal. It is affecting so many areas in our society today. All of these things all come, kind of tie back together to the undermining of people's faith through this teaching of evolution and denying what the Bible says from the very, very beginning of the book. The very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they deny it from the very onset. And folks, somewhere along the line, we as Christians need to dig our heels in, put the brakes on, and say, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. No more are we going to let people indoctrinate our young people. No longer are we going to allow people to continue to propagate around this world and undermine the faith of so many without us making some kind of noise about it and let them know. We've been too silent for too long. And I think part of the reason is timidity. Part of the reason has been the fact that we are ignorant of how bad the situation has gotten. And part of it, and I think a big part of it is, we don't know how to answer it from Scripture. We don't know how to take them to the Bible and show them verses that refute it. And folks, we need to be able to we need to be able to give an answer to every man for the reason the hope that's in us. We need to be able to handle this book well. Lord willing over the next several weeks we're going to give you some some truths, some some principles that you can use from scripture to help lead people to know and to have maybe have their faith restored even back into the Bible and to realize that this thing of evolution is nonsense and that it's destroying is destroying the morality of this country. Is destroying the lives of so many people, and uh, many don't even know it. So I hope that'll be a help to you. And the next uh, few weeks, as we look into this, um, I hope it will help us to see some of this and be strengthened in it. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we pray that you'll